Welcome to Empower Humans. Welcome again to the Empower Humans podcast. This is episode 142, my friends. Hey, today we have Sophie McLean. Uh, we Americans might pronounce that McLean, but uh, it's McLean. M-C-L-E-A-N. She is a wisdom teacher and shared so many great insights and some really interesting and profound and traumatic even stories in her own life. Some of you may be able to relate to some of that, but some really interesting insights that she's learned as well. And she shares with tens of thousands of people on a very regular basis. Uh, She's done so many great things in the world and has all kinds of very unique life experience. She's been a helicopter pilot, obviously a teacher, a designer, a relief worker, a war refugee, a CEO. Uh, She served as United Nations representative on the Commission on the Status of Women's Hunger Project. And she's been shot at, shipwrecked, widowed, uh, lived on a farm, a boat, a penthouse, uh, all these amazing, interesting things and a unique, very profound life experience that she brings to the table. I will point out uh, we had a couple technical difficulties. I don't know why we've had some of those lately. It's not stuff that uh, for any lack of competence or anything on anyone's part, it's just weird stuff that's going on. But uh, we muscled through it all. There was a point in the middle of the podcast where we actually lost connection. And so I waited for her on Zoom to reconnect. I didn't know. We still don't know exactly what happened. So I would try to edit that so that it may go through seamlessly, but you may catch where that happened when she was talking about how it, as we get older, we start to shed our ego. And that's when we lost a connection. We came back and picked up where we left off. But uh, in any case, enjoy the interview. And just before we jump in there, I want to remind you, as always, you are absolutely priceless. You are priceless. Go look in the mirror and say that to yourself a thousand times. If you don't have time for that, say it three times. But whatever you need to do to instill uh, this affirmation and this just truth, this fact of the universe into your mind, don't let anyone else, anything else uh, convince you otherwise, especially yourself. Don't convince yourself that you're anything less than priceless. The riches are found in you. You're above the monetary systems of this world. You're above the so-called riches. And go back. We have a podcast episode called You Are Priceless. I don't remember what episode number, but you can go on our website, powerhumans.com slash podcast, and you can look for the the phrase, You Are Priceless, and you'll find that podcast episode if you want to. And of course, along with that, you are not alone. You are never alone. Please, please remember that. It's easy to get lost in these delusions, these thought processes of being alone. We talk a lot in this podcast episode about illusions in general and delusions, (laughs) these things that we uh, do to ourselves that uh, become these self-imposed prisons. And we don't need to do that. We can free ourselves. We can be free, liberated. We can be uh, enlightened. And uh, when it gets right down to it, a lot of times it's as simple as a matter of choice. We talked at length about that in this podcast. I want to remind you real quick before we jump in of our challenges, study, start studying, keep studying, do the things that are going to enlighten and center your mind in truth. And uh, like I always say, I love the analogy of music because I'm a musician for one thing. I love music. Most of us, I think, in some capacity at least like music. And when you're playing music on these physical instruments, you have to keep them in tune. And they get out of tune just naturally by being played. In life, we get out of tune. Reading and studying will uh, center our minds and tune us, so to speak, to this place of uh, peace and joy and clarity and comfort. And so I would encourage you greatly, go find ways to study. And remind you too, I use these apps, Libby and Hoopla Digital, that tie into the local library systems. And the places I've lived in Las Vegas and Los Angeles, out here, out west, I know these uh, apps are in lots of places. And so I would encourage you, there's tons of free material, uh, ebooks, audiobooks, even music and other things that you can partake of through those apps. The second challenge, make great moments. That's, uh, as I always point out, that's generally with loved ones. Uh, and let's be real. 
all of humanity should be loved ones for all of us. We're all part of a human family. We're so interrelated. If this pandemic has taught us anything, it's just how truly interconnected and interrelated that we are, uh, how quickly something can just spread globally. And so many deep, deep principles that we could get into. I'm not going to right now, but make great moments, surprise, love, take initiative, do those things that are going to make those great moments happen. Because when we come to the end, uh, as we all will, these will be the pillars that will overshadow the nonsense and the mistakes that we all have as well as part of our lives. And of course, last but not least, our last challenge, let's keep doing this podcast together. I'm really excited that we have Sophie on the podcast today. And uh, I just want to remind you to go into the show notes. There'll be a link for this uh, free course that she has. There's no, She's not selling anything. It's just a free course to deconstruct our ego and become our very best selves, live our best, most peaceful, loving, joyous lives. Uh, the course is called The Call of the Soul. If you go to her website, sophiemclean.com, that's M-C-L-E-A-N, uh, you can. there's a link right there at the top for the course as well, but there'll be a link in the show notes. And also go pick up her book, The Elegance of Simplicity, A Wisdom Teacher's Epic Journey to Awareness. Uh, we'll try to put a link for that in the show notes as well. Uh, without further ado, let's jump right in. Here we are with Sophie McLean. Here we go. We are pleased to welcome Sophie McLean, who is a wisdom teacher, coming to us today. Where are you coming to us from today? Well, I normally live in New York, but due, due to a family emergency, I am now in the south of France. Uh, how, so it's like late afternoon there. It's morning here. I'm in Las Vegas. It's like 9.43 in the morning. What time is it over there? Oh, 5.30 in the afternoon. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a big time difference. <laughs> that makes sense. That sounds about right. <laughs> yes. Now, do they do daylight savings over there? Because we just did that here in the United States. Do they do that over in Europe? In a, in about two weeks. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm, we just in time for Easter. Okay. I'm just curious because That's right. I was wondering that the other day, we just had that this weekend and I thought, I wonder where, if, do they do this everywhere in the world? Because for some reason I never found that out, but now we know that in some places mm. they do. Did you know? Yeah. But do you not feel that in Hawaii they do not? So it's funny, right? I, I was surprised because well, the whole of the United States does it, but not Hawaii. Yeah. And also Arizona, so, two states, Hawaii mm. and Arizona don't do it. So that's that. <laughs> I don't know. Go figure. So tell me, Sophie, is, tell me yeah. your story. Uh, you were born mm -hmm. in Algeria, as I understand it, and you've, you've been all over the world, it sounds like, or a lot of places. Tell me some of your story of, mm -hmm. because this title of wisdom teacher, I think a lot of people would step back and say, wow, that sounds like a great title. What does that even mean? And how did you get to this place where you're doing this? Mm -hmm. so talk to me about that and your story of how, mm -hmm. how you got here. All right. So shall I start with a wisdom teacher title? Sure. Sure. So, um, you know, I had to, I had to call myself something, right? Because I'm a philosopher by training. And, uh, you know, philosophy is, I mean, I love philosophy and it can be quite abstract. You know, you go into profound conversations, intellectual conversation, and that is fine, except that what really interests me is to make a difference in everyday life. Yeah. You know? So a uh, philosopher didn't do it for me. So as I uh, trained myself and went through my life, I'm now 60 years old, right? Mm -hmm. I um, got two very powerful distinctions. The first one was that wisdom is knowing that you carry the world in your eyes. 
meaning that you know you are the originator of your reality. You, yeah. you, you have no doubt about it. That's what wisdom is. Right? So I okay. thought, hmm, that sounds good, right? And then a teacher, I love teachers, right? But teachers, not people that give lectures or repeat what they heard before. A authentic teacher is someone that partakes of their own experience, only of what they have experienced. And yes. by sharing it with the students, you open up a whole space for people to step in because it's so authentic and so pure because you actually had the experience. Yes. So I put the two together and I came up with wisdom teacher. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And uh, certainly mm -hmm. we could use more wisdom. I think all of us in the world. So you're a light to mm -hmm. people. So tell me your story too, as far as uh, whatever are the main points of, that brought you to this, to this place where you're doing this now. Mm. Well, I had two gifts as a child, right? Two uh, epiphany, if you want, or two, I call them gift. I don't have a word for it. But when I was two years old, I, um, I uh, had a, an experience where there was a being that told me about having free will. And it was during the war, I was in Algeria, the farm I was in was attacked by machine gun fire, and mm -hmm. I was terrified on my bed. And this being came and said, no, you don't have to go into survival. You can choose to just accept what is happening. So at two, I promptly discarded it <laughs> mm -hmm. and proceeded to go full into survival. And then, when, but I never forgot, right? That being was, um, you know, it's one of those experiences that you cannot understand and um, is a gift. So then when I was 12, my parents by then moved to Casablanca, Morocco. And uh, I was in the garden of my parents. And I was watching my family from afar. They were getting ready to sit down for dinner on the veranda. Uh -huh. And I was alone in a moment of quiet in the garden. And suddenly, I had another gift. And that time, it was that the first part of the gift was that the cocoon I was being brought up inside of, a very privileged, safe, loving cocoon, was not a reflection of the world. Okay. And the message was, you need to go and find out what is happening. And then there was an absolutely transformational insight. Then the message was, and everything you're going to find out is an illusion. <laughs> Nothing that you call reality is real. So I ran to my parents, right? I ran. I was so excited. I said, I, I got it. I got it. I understand everything. Everything is an illusion. And my parents looked at me and gave me my nickname, the crazy one. <laughs> so they, they, they did it with love, but that nickname is with me to this day. The crazy one. But since that time, yeah, uh -huh, uh -huh, in my family. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but since that day, I have been um, following this 
irresistible impulse to elevate my consciousness and awareness. And um, I have never looked back. So I had a very, very full life. Um, I um, had a lot of tragedy. I moved from despair to joy, back to despair. I, I, I have a very vast experience of life. And that has been extremely useful um, for the past 30 years, I've been uh, guiding students. I guided over 80,000 students worldwide, led seminars, led conferences, led courses mm-hmm. um, in um, just mastering awareness. Yeah, that's that's interesting set of stories there, too. I um, When you talk about one of the things that you teach about is this concept of the automatic ego do you want to explain what that means exactly because i know that's a big part of the whole wisdom teaching here it is indeed so most people have um, a, a, a mistaken idea about what the ego is right a lot of people think the ego is being arrogant or being a jerk but it is not that it can be that right but it mm-hmm. is that's not what the ego is the ego is everything you identify with that is not who you really are so you can identify with your age your weight the amount of money you have your job title being a husband being a wife being a father i mean as a human being inside of survival we identify with everything we can grab now There is a paradox about the ego, except if you're going to be a monk or a nun or live alone in a cave on the hill of the Himalayas, you need an ego to function in our world. So, for example, calling myself a wisdom teacher is what I call a conscious ego. I made a choice. I am calling it a name. And I am being consistent with the character I created. That's a conscious ego. Now, that is very powerful. You can, you know, I'm a wisdom teacher sometimes when I go on a date. If I am a wisdom teacher, it's a disaster. Nobody wants to be on a date with a wisdom teacher, right? So when I go on a date or social, I am not the wisdom teacher. I am the you know, playful, whatever, right? Yes. So when you're conscious like that, you can create characters and you are always aligned with who you really are and have various expression of it. But the ego that is, the one that robs you of your power is the automatic ego, the unconscious ego, the one you created as you grow up as a reaction to stressful situation, to things you could not understand, you could not experience, you could not be with. And it's that unconscious ego that is the source of all the suffering. Mm. So the, the shift from Homo sapiens, which is the reign of the ego, to Homo spiritus, that's exactly that. It's a shift from an unconscious ego, automatic ego, to a conscious ego aligned with who you really are. Yes, that's a very interesting explanation. I, when you talk about what you just said about being uh, Homo sapien versus Homo spiritus, what do we mean by that exactly? Because uh, truthfully, I've never heard the term Homo spiritus. <laughs> what what oh, is that? 
Oh, I, 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 oh, I got it from David Hawkins, which okay. is one of my most uh, inspirational uh, read. Um, David Hawkins, 20 years ago, I think, called it, right? And many other um, mystics and uh, 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 spiritual wisdom people have called for the shift. It's coming, right? It, there is in the circle, there, is, there has been a knowing that there is a shift. So Homo sapiens is the reign of the ego. And I, you know, I really want to, to insist that the ego is not wrong. It, it, is, it has allowed us to be where we are today. We have put men on the moon. We came up with E equal MC square. We have progressed in every area of life. Mm -hmm. I mean, that ego, the Homo sapiens, has really created many, many extraordinary things. And as always with evolution, it's coming to an end. And when when a, a, a period of our evolution comes to an end, it is very often not pretty. You know, we have a lot of violence and conflict and suffering and people are not, uh, they know there is something else possible and they don't have access to it, right? Mm -hmm. So the birth of a new um, homo what I call homo spiritus, and I'll explain in a moment, any births very happen in pain. And I think this is what we're living through at the moment. So the reign of the automatic ego, the survival, the prevailing, the making it, the domination, to be the best, all that is coming to an end. And there is a rising, and if you listen carefully to what is happening in the world, you will hear people talking about their soul, being who they really are, wanting self-expression or what I call soul expression, being fulfilled, mm -hmm. talking about value like love and caring and generosity and altruism and working together. And a homo spiritus has all of that because instead of identifying with something outside of yourself, which is the ego, you identify you are who you really are, meaning your soul essence. So okay. it is going beyond the five senses, right? You still have your five senses. We still have to operate on the material plane. But you know you're not from the physical world. Who you are is located in what I call the quantum world or the spiritual world as your soul. Mm. And that is what informs you on the material plane. And when you are connected that way, Phil, you have access to authentic power, guidance, intuition, you dance with what the universe gives you. Life becomes a, a game and, and you discover that the universe is so good, so tender, that the universe wants to give you everything you desire. And when we are stuck in our automatic ego, we don't even see it. Wow. This is uh, very deep <laughs> stuff. I just wonder, as we talk about um, the our true self 
because we've talked, in fact, last well, week we were talking to somebody about some of these similar topics in a different way, but uh, how do we uh, come to know or awaken, let's say, to our true self? Um, because like you said, this automatic ego takes over for so many of us. Uh, mm-hmm. how, so how do we find that place? Well, I, I listened to a few of your podcasts, Phil, and you said it yourself, you know, it's through education. So not the traditional education of learning what somebody else learned before, but literally by learning what it is to be a human being. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we are not taught at school what it is to be a human being, but they are an actual design of the ego. The logic is absolutely fascinating of of beauty and perfection the logic of the survival of the ego you actually can learn and get educated and you then do what i call the deconstruction of your ego right we constructed it so now you can deconstruct it Mm -hmm. and that's the good news by the way you know when you see if i put 10 babies in front of you one next to the other Mm-hmm. You wouldn't look at those babies saying, oh, a little perfectionist, oh, somebody with a bad temper, oh, somebody with a sense of humor, <laughs> right? No, You're there right. is nothing there, right? There is nothing. And you, in <laughs> fact, watch those babies wondering what character will come out of them, right? Mm-hmm. So the ego gets put together after our birth. And that's the good news, because if we constructed it, we can deconstruct it. So okay. normally age, age helps you, right? You know, we say that as we grow older, we get wiser because little by little we shed all the opinion, the evaluation, the blame, the resentment, the lack of confidence. You know, as you grow older, things that seem so important to you, normally life takes care of you getting wiser, right? Life takes care of you shading off all those decisions you made and all this protection that we call the ego. Because as you grow older, you become wiser, right? So what seems to be so important when you were 20, 30, 40, you get to be 70, 80 or 90, uh, you say, what a waste of energy. Mm. But so that's great. But nowadays, right, in the uh, the culture we have right now, in the time we are living through right now, especially with the pandemic that happened since last year, mm-hmm. people do not want to wait until they're 90-year-old to wake up. <laughs> there is this yearning and this impulse to elevate oneself. You know, look at your podcast, Phil, right? This is you saying, all right, everybody, there is something else possible. <laughs> yeah. And so um, the, the deconstruction of the ego, I was saying I do it with um, young people like 16, 17, my nieces, my nephews, they have all deconstructed their ego and they are powerful, authentically powerful young people that can deal with the circumstances of life being aligned with who they really are. Yeah. And that is a delicious um, it, it, the result, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And <clears throat> excuse me, what I would say is, since you're a teacher, if, if I was your student here and we're sitting mm. in a room or whatever, or we're on mm. Zoom as we are now, uh mm. 
what would you tell mm-hmm. me about deconstructing my ego? What is there a step-by-step sort of process to that or, or how do we mm-hmm. uh, enlighten mm-hmm. ourselves in that way? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I've written a book called The Elegance of Simplicity, which is a journey of uh, uh, someone that goes through the deconstruction of the ego. And I've even uh, created a free course, totally free. There is no hidden demand, no hidden sales, nothing. It is really free inside of my (laughs) commitment to create a new culture for humankind. Yes. (laughs) And, And that will take you through the deconstruction of the ego in a in a uh, uh, entertaining light way but it's profound right so simplicity looks simple but and it's profound that's why i call it the elegance of simplicity mm-hmm. yeah and this course yeah, is called definitely steps in fact there is mm. now go ahead the free course well no i was just gonna say the free course is the, called the, the call of the soul called, uh, Yes, that's right. That's right. You know, when there are those moments of truth in your life, Phil, where um, uh, there are some moments of truth where you're in such despair, in such a dark place that you hear them and your life goes in another direction. Mm -hmm. But there is also those moments of truth that you see maybe a little bit later on that you made a choice and your life took another direction. That's what I call the call of your soul. Your soul so wants to be free and expressed, you know, out of the jail that the ego is. Yes. Okay. So That's listen great. to the call of the soul. Yeah. And by the way, people can find that course at Sophie McLean, which is S-O-P-H-I-E, McLean, M-C-L-E-A-N.com. It's right. There is a link right at the top of the page. So people can get into that course uh, right away. Mm-hmm. And like you said, there's no extra selling or anything else. It's just a course for people to awaken and enlighten their lives. Right. <laughs> um, and that, that's right. You, you receive 21 email for 21 day with a video of me, a lesson, uh, some journaling to do if you want to and chapter of the audiobook. So by the end of the course, you get the free audiobook. That's awesome. That's that's a great thing to offer, and uh, mm-hmm. we're thankful that you're doing that. So we'll have a link to all that in the show notes, so everybody go go there and click on that link so that you can get that free course from our generous friend Sophie here. Um, now, since we're talking about all these topics, um, how do we elevate our consciousness? This is something you said earlier. I mean, we're all we're on that same topic with the whole thing with deconstructing the ego, and and you use the term ontology, which honestly, I don't know what that is either. Um, but talk to me about that aspect of this. So um, ontology is a branch of philosophy that deals with what it is to be a human being. Okay. It's as simple as that. It's the, the design of a human being, right? So for example, Phil, you know how uh, when you are faced with a butterfly, right? Mm-hmm. You do not experience danger. So you are present and you can look at the movement of the wing of the butterfly and the color and being the beauty of the movement. That's all great. I remove the butterfly and suddenly I put you in front of a rhinoceros. Well, forget about the beauty of the beast, right? You are going to go into survival mode and you're either going to attack, run away or freeze. Yeah. 
that, uh, yeah. So the ego is, I want you to imagine spending 99% of your life as if you were faced with a rhinoceros. Okay. That is what the ego does. We survive each other. We see each other as danger. When people have to speak in public, they hyperventilate. When you go to a dinner party, you have to have four glasses of wine because, before you can relax. When you go to work, you're scared. You go in an elevator. Somebody comes in. You have a little thought that, are you safe? You know, we are constantly in survival. And that is the source of all suffering, division, um, conflict, and, and it is not necessary. That survival is based on an illusion. Yes. You know, so this is what uh, the study of being is. Yeah, go ahead. Yes, my apologies. I'm interrupting. <laughs> but it, it just reminds me, too, because it's, <laughs> it's perfectly in line. This morning, someone had sent me a link for a TED Talk from a man named Michael Neal, N-E-I-L-L. And in his TED Talk, it's called, Why Are We Not Awesomer? You know, in English, we use this word awesome. Awesomer isn't really a word, but that's why it's kind of funny. Mm -hmm. But he, he says the exact same thing that you just said that everything is an illusion. I encourage people to go watch that Ted talk too. It's about 15 minutes. He, just all these things that we create as illusions. And why do we do that? Is it because of the mm -hmm. survival instinct of our 4 billion year old brains that have evolved over time? Uh, because it doesn't seem like a healthy thing to live in some delusional place where we just, we have these ideas and illusions about what we're supposed to be or not be. And mm. Uh, and our certain self-imposed limitations. Why do we do that to ourselves? I guess it goes back to the automatic ego, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it, it does. But I heard a very interesting um, story about uh, the birth of the ego. Uh, I can't remember who said it, Phil, because I read and study so much. Right now it escapes me. But Somebody wise said that obviously um, all the the plants and the animal, either the plant kingdom or the animal kingdom, needs energy to be alive on this material plane, right? So if you look at the plant kingdom, they get their energy given to them. They don't. They, the sun shines and they turn that into energy, right? They don't have to go and get it. It's mm -hmm. given to them. But the animal kingdom, and we are part of the animal kingdom, Yes, we need to go and get energy to survive physically. And at one point, so we did, right? And we, we did well. How I know that is because we're still alive. We learn what would kill us, what we can eat, drink, so that whatever we take in, transmute into energy and we stay alive. And at one point, that physical survival became an ontological survival. Instead of only surviving physically, which we still need to do today, yeah. we apply that mechanism to surviving illusions, each other, the world, death, looking outside of ourselves for energy. So you have this feeding frenzy on each other. You know, for example, relationships. 
people think they need to be in a relationship to get love. They need to be special. They need to be loved. But that's not love. That's looking outside of yourself for fulfilling on your yearning for love. Love is not an emotion or a need or something outside of yourself. You are it. It's a space you are. So you just need to get present to who you really are. Okay. And in the whole realm of meditation, <laughs> people use the term being present, uh, the power of now with our, our friend, um, I forget his name off the top of my head. Uh, <laughs> Eckhart Tolle. That's Eckhart Tolle. right. Eckhart Tolle. Great books, great author, great speaker. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, and mm-hmm. I've said this before on the podcast because we've talked sometimes, is meditation a part of this for you as a wisdom teacher, um, becoming present and, and living in the now and being mindful? Yeah, so um, I call it awareness, right? And um, and meditation is definitely a way for me to um, get the stillness I so yearn for, right? But I meditate the whole day. After a while, when you get trained, you are in a state of meditation. Mm. But the, the thing I will start with is awareness, Phil. You know how you teach you have children i believe right yes i have two boys and when you teach your children to oh cute when you teach your children to cross the street you tell them stop look right look left and then you cross the street yeah that is all that is needed stop look right look left and then make a choice mm. that is that that if you start that way to actually take a few seconds to stop before you speak, to stop before you act, to look at the consequences that your action will have, to look at the impact you will have on others and yourself. You develop awareness as a habit. Your life will be transformed just by that practice. Yeah, no question. Uh, and you use this analogy mm. crossing the street, which is such a simple thing, but that's a very profound analogy. So thank you for that. I, I wonder about people who get to that place of crossing the street, so to speak, that, you know, in this analogy, and then they get scared and maybe paralyzed that, oh, we're not, because you said, look left, look right, and then cross the street. Sometimes people might look left or right, but mm. then become paralyzed and be too scared to cross the street. Do you have any thoughts or uh, insights for situations like that again just awareness so suddenly you get overwhelmed by fear stop look at the fear let yourself experience it what is the fear about right so fear is always in the present moment it's not a bad thing if you in again in front of a lion you will have fear that's very good it should stop you from being eaten up It's anxiety that is the enemy, Phil. Anxiety is projecting yourself in the future with what might happen, should happen, shouldn't happen, and what if it happens. (laughs) So you want to make a difference between fear, which is really good. It's like pain, right? If you put your hand in the fire, you're going to have pain, and that will teach you not to do it. Fear is the same. Fear will reactivate adrenaline, make you in survival mode, and save your life. 
it is the anxiety of something that hasn't happened yet, that might never happen, that you imagine in the future, that causes the stress of a long period of time, and that robs you of all freedom and all presence. Mm. That's a great insight. And how do we free ourselves? Because I've always looked at all of these things as the kind of uh, symbolic chains that we chain ourselves, we imprison ourselves. And I found that all of these factors and energies of life, depending on what we choose to uh, embrace, can either imprison us, enslave us in some way, or liberate and enlighten us. <clears throat> Is there a certain way, excuse me, to actually uh, free ourselves from, or th- especially those who are very greatly affri- aff- excuse me afflicted <laughs> with anxiety mm-hmm. uh, because a lot of what i mm-hmm. see is different things like this and then a doctor a, you know a uh, therapist may prescribe some medication which kind of just masks symptoms a lot of times Is there a way we can just mm-hmm. uh proactively free ourselves from these uh chains in this case anxiety I can tell you how I do it. Please. Um, You know, it works for me. Everybody has to try their own thing, right? So first, always awareness is the ultimate power. When I get anxious, I stop and I say, I am anxious. I kind of declare it. I let myself feel this physical sensation, my heart racing, my mind racing. I say, okay, I'm anxious. I'm anxious about something that might or might not happen in the future. I am not present. I literally bring the awareness to that. I don't make myself wrong. I don't blame myself. I say something got me, right? Something, a worry, a concern, a survival illusion. So then I look at what I'm anxious about, right? So things that make people very anxious are money, sex, love, um, you know, those are the main three biggest ones, but there is so many others, right? You can be anxious about having a bad reputation or about not being loved or, I mean, there is so many anxiety for all of us. Mm-hmm. So then, I, once I bring awareness to what I'm anxious about, again, feel the most important thing is with compassion and never blaming myself for being at the effect of anxiety. I'm a human being. I'm not, you know, we all want to be perfect, right? Well, none of us are. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then once I have that and I have it well distinguished and I know what has me, then I have uh, um, outlets, right? I go to nature. Beauty relieves me of the anxiety and I get reconnected to faith and the divine. I t- talk to friends. I go and serve someone. Make a difference to someone in need always does it for me. Because when you're preoccupied to help somebody and support somebody, you stop thinking about yourself. Um, I meditate or I do sports. So I deliberately short circuit my mind. Interesting. So what you're saying is... Yeah, yeah. Instead of instead of getting lost in our mind and in, our, in ourselves, you go do external things that recenter your mind. Where you yeah. good positive things, some sort of yeah. exercise or helping somebody that gets you back to a place of yeah. 
let's say peace <laughs> uh, rather than getting lost in the anxiety. That's right, because our mind, yeah, yeah, because our mind, if we keep giving energy to those thoughts, they get bigger and bigger and bigger, and you end up believing them. You see, the thing is, our thoughts are not to be believed. They're not ours. You know, for example, if you have a thought, oh, I'm an idiot. Somebody in ancient Greece had the same thought at one point. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not personal to you. It's not your thought. It's thinking you. So you, the only thing you need to do is not believe your thoughts. This is like another uh, very simple way to be free and present. Stop believing your thoughts. <laughs> You're yeah. not having them. They're having you. Yeah, That is such a powerful point. And that's exactly what this other TED Talk I was mentioning says too. Our thoughts <laughs> take control. And it's so, it, it, the depth of what happens in people's lives, I'm not, disparaging or insulting anybody because there's all sorts of different things that happen and reasons why they happen about people sometimes getting stuck in their own mind where they won't even leave the house. And there's really no apparent danger other than some thought process in their mind. And I'm not, I'm not here to try to, because I haven't dealt with something like that personally. So I'm not going to try Mm -hmm. to in any way dissect Mm -hmm. or especially insult anything like that. I wouldn't. I'm just saying no, no, it's, no. it's very yeah. interesting how people can completely, we can limit ourselves in so many ways, whether it's something very extreme like that or just, oh, I won't go talk to this girl or this boy or this, uh, mm, <laughs> uh, mm. go apply for this job because mm. I'm not good enough. Why? Why aren't you good enough? And, and it's just, there's this long history mm. in humanity where when people step outside their so-called comfort zone and just you know, a lot of religious writings talk about the word faith. You just give your, I don't know fully how we do it. You just have faith and take action and good results can happen. And they don't always, but it's, you have a lot more chance of getting the things that you want and deserve in life (laughs) by just doing. Yeah. Uh, What, what other insights? When I I was, um, when I was 28 years old, I got married and I loved my husband. We had one of those extraordinary relationships. And we went on honeymoon. And five days after I got married, he died. Wow. He had a massive brain um, clot and he died. Five I'm days sorry. later, I was a widow, right? I was 28 years old. Yeah. Oh so you can imagine the despair and the horror of it. And I thought, okay, that can only happen either in a Hollywood movie or if I'm doomed because I really didn't plan on that. That doesn't happen. I never heard somebody. I I never heard that happen to anybody. Right. Okay. So I decided that that was my thought. Okay. I got it. I'm doomed because two years before I had lost a child and 10 years before I was raped. And by the time I lost my husband, I said, okay, fine. I'm, Closing the door, I got it, I'm doomed. Mm. So I lived the next five years like a dead woman walking. Mm. I had four stepchildren I needed to take care of. I took I took over my husband's business, but I was dead, 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 dead. And on top of that, Phil, because I thought I was doomed, 
I thought I would bring bad luck to people if they came too close to me. Mm. Right? Because in my logic of thoughts, I had to protect them against me. So I became this witch. Like you could not talk to me. If you came too close, I would bark and bite, you know? Wow. So not only was I in total sadness because my and grief because my husband died, but on top of that, I was creating hell as a life, right? Yeah. And then and then one day I just realized that my husband dying didn't mean I was doomed. My husband dying doesn't mean he didn't love me, doesn't mean God doesn't love me, doesn't mean that I did something wrong in a previous life, doesn't mean I did anything wrong. My husband died means that my husband died. It doesn't mean anything else. Mm. There is no meaning to what happened. It is just a fact. He died. And every meaning I will give to that event is just the story I am making up. Yeah. Because I cannot know if there is a reason or a, a, a logic to my husband's dying. And the moment I got that all of my thoughts, all of my decisions, all of my meanings were my own, and if I believed them, what consequence I had to pay was suffering and despair, I was free forever. Now, 30 years later, I'm still in pain. I still miss my husband, but there is absolutely no suffering in my life. Suffering is optional. Wow. That's a, that's a very profound statement too. Suffering is optional. And by the way, I'm very sorry for the losses uh-huh. and the traumatic experiences you described. I'm grateful for the enlightenment that you were able to obtain, even though it took five years mm. to realize that uh, mm. it's, it's up to you. Like you said, suffering is optional. And and it's you know we've talked a few mm-hmm. times recently in the podcast about how we assign meaning to things. See, Tony Robbins says nothing has meaning. Mm-hmm. We assign mm-hmm. meaning to everything. And, Mm-mm. and I think that's a, mm-hmm. just a very freeing statement along with what you said, suffering is optional. Um, so mm-hmm. as, as we talk about that, um, that, thank you for sharing and opening up, by the way, I honor that uh, vulnerability. Do, you talked earlier about the world at large being such a violent, uh, conflictive place that we live in. Um, why is that? Why do we, mm-hmm. is the world that way? In light of all these well, things. It's we're a talking low about. level of conscious. Yeah. Mm. It's a low level of consciousness, right? So if you imagine a scale field of consciousness, right? Or awareness, you call it whatever you want, right? It's a scale, not mm-hmm. of value, but a scale of consciousness, right? So there is, a, at the top will be enlightenment, the, the people that are one with the divine and are levitating, right? And then you mm-hmm. go down the scale and the lower you go, the more destructive Destruction is an option, right? So, for example, if you have love as a value in your life and a principle, love being a loving human being, standing in love, operating from love, violence won't be an option for you. 
right? So it's, you, it's already quite a high level of consciousness. But if you have not reached that level, well, violence is an option. That's right. Domination, conflict, uh, egocentrism, yeah? So it's only a question of education. You, we just need to move people up the scale. So when I see somebody that acts appallingly or hurt other people, I, I never judge them. I educate them. Yeah, that's very true. So how do we do that on a grand global scale with people? I mean, we have lots of different barriers. We you, have- you, no, no. Uh, you, you, start, you start with yourself. Okay. See, we we <laughs> we talk about self self improvement, right? I don't like that term too much, but it's more like collective fulfillment. We want collective fulfillment. Yeah. Uh, you need to start with yourself because, for example, Phil, if you are someone that is located in the space of love, wherever you are, love is beautiful. And that's how you contribute. Yeah, that's how you contribute, right? So it starts with us. And it is not being self-centered and egocentric. It's a responsibility. You need to elevate yourself so that what you put out in the world is is empowering for people. It's, It's those values we're all yearning for, generosity, altruism, care, gratitude, and love. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. As you talk about these things and these self-imposed delusional mindsets, and, and then I just mentioned the thing about the global idea, and I know you said start with you, start with the individual. Um, and, and then I just think as I look, you look at a global map, the maps that we've created as silly humans on this planet, that we, we've created all these fake lines of here's a border and that's this country and that's this country. And really, there's just these massive <laughs> continents on this planet. And that's all that really is. But we have all these fake borders of hundreds of countries that, you know, I lived in South America for a while and other places I've been and there's okay, this is this country and this is that, and we have to speak this language here and be this way and have this type of government uh, and some are more oppressive than others. Uh, but it's, it's really silly because if we, if, we go all, if we all go into outer space at a big picture, number one, our planet is a tiny speck of the universe. And number two, these lines don't exist. They just don't exist. They're on drawings <laughs> that we created. And it's just hilarious to think I about. Know, because human construct, yeah, yeah. We like some fake, uh, uh, some fake structure that we made up ourselves. Some somehow maybe that just appeals to this automatic ego mindset, doesn't it? I mean, all, all these borders mm-hmm. and all this nonsense. It does. Well, yes, yes. One of the characteristic of the automatic ego is ownership and defending that ownership, right? Like if we could own anything when we are the universe, well, well, you know, it's, that is one of the characteristics of the automatic ego, is to hold, it's the fear of lacking, the fear of the unknown, the protection, mm-hmm. and that is exhausting. Yeah, no question. So mm-hmm. when you talk about wisdom, being a wisdom teacher, how do you, you've, you've mm-hmm. spoken and taught tens of thousands of people. 
how do you teach that? If you don't mind me mm-hmm. asking, not that we're going to steal your secrets, but how, how is that taught to other human beings? No, no, no. I, <laughs> so at the moment I, I lead uh, zoom classes. So yeah. I limit them to 50 uh, students, right? Because I like to have a uh, hands-on on my students. You know, at the moment there is those uh, internet classes. There is, 1,000 people in it, but I, I, I don't do that. I limit it to 50, so I have a f- waiting list. But I take people through the deconstruction of their ego. That's the first part of the course, uh-huh. step by step by step. There is 12 sessions. It takes only 12 sessions of two hours. Can you believe it? Yeah. 12 sessions of two hours, you'll have your ego deconstructed. Then the second part of the course is connecting to your essence and to who you really are, to the spiritual. Yeah, That's nine sessions of two hours. And then the last part of the course is another nine sessions of two hours where it's practice, practice, practice being a homo spiritus, meaning what does my relationship to money looks like when I'm a homo spiritus? What does my relationship to... My husband looks like when I'm a homo spiritus to my children, to my health, to my mission, right? So that's the last part of the course. So it's a five-month course that I offer. And then that is a very, I have another offering, which is a one-on-one course. I call it the master course, and a few people do that. Um, uh, they want, you know, it's more for politicians, uh, UN directors, um, uh, people that really want to provide leadership in the world. So then they come to me and we do a one-on-one deconstruction of the ego and creating um, their new um, conscious ego. Okay. So that's my offering. That's a, that's beautiful. Mm. And I like that you limit it a little bit where it's not, okay, we have 2 million people on a class. It's 50 or less. And then, that's that's yeah. Fine. And then it's a little bit yeah. more intimate teaching yeah. experience. Yeah. Um, is, you've done a lot of well, amazing also, things. So, you go know, ahead. I get hand on. <laughs> no, go ahead. No, I was Sorry. just, go I was just going to point out that, you know, as I, as I've read a lot about you and stuff, I just, I know you've done a lot of amazing things. And I know we're getting to a place where we'll probably wrap up here soon, but um, I just, I wanted to point all these things out, but you know, it says you've been a helicopter pilot and a, obviously you're a teacher and uh, you served as United Nations representative on commission and status of women's hunger project which is a very Mm -hmm. long title and Mm -hmm. so many other things a war refugee (laughs) you've been shot at and all these things you have a lot of life experience that i think is very valuable in the context of just other humans Mm -hmm. who go through trauma and difficulty and so i'm just pointing that out i'm not even asking a question but the question i do have in light of all these things Mm -hmm. you've experienced and the knowledge you've gained that you now share so generously with with others uh, what do you have heroes? I like to ask our guests this. And if you do have heroes, who are they and why mm. uh, in, in your life? Mm. Mm. I do. I do. I do. I have a, I have a, I absolutely adore Gandhi. There is Gandhi, Martin Luther King, Abraham Lincoln, Nelson Mandela. Do you see there is a kind of pattern, right? There are people that took a stand for elevation of consciousness that took a stand to stop what was not working, to, to stop the division, the, the, the conflict. They took a stand 
for what works. And that literally <laughs> yeah. has me vibrate. I just love all those people that take a stand, that were courageous. They, most of them got killed for it, right? There was Socrates, Jesus Christ, Abraham Lincoln. And, I mean, they all got killed. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They took a stand. They, they stood for what is possible. And that has all my respect and admiration. Yeah, beautiful. And the common thread, you know, from my knowledge and perspective and the people that you're mentioning is that these are people who didn't allow their ego to get in the way. All these fears and anxieties. Sure, there's fear when you're going to stand up for something that's not a, necessarily a popular belief amongst large groups of people. And many of them yeah. uh, lost their lives as a result, but they still mm. they mm. still operated at a higher level than this base ego uh, approach to life. Uh, and and I, I think that's a lesson to yeah. all of us if we want to be our best selves, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you need to stay true to yourself. Nobody can tell you what that means, but there is this ultimate integrity of alignment where you will not sell out on your most profound calling, you know, and that, mm -hmm. that is admirable. Yes, absolutely. And everybody can do it. Everybody can do it. Very empowering statement. Everybody can do it. Do you have any final thoughts and, uh, before we wrap up here? I know that you have this book, The Elegance of Simplicity, A Wisdom Teacher's Epic Journey to Awareness. Mm -hmm. Do you have any insight either from the book or any final thoughts before we wrap up here, Sophie? I just want to tell your listener, Phil, that um, the mystery of the divine, we will not resolve it while we're on earth, right? But there is something you can get clarity on is why do you have the circumstances you have in your life? Why do you have repeating pattern in your life? Why do you have the experience to have something extraordinary inside of yourself, but you don't know how to express it? Listen, listen to those uh, experiences. And do something about it. There is something possible. And the natural state of human being is bliss. It is not suffering. Mm -hmm. So it's possible. I, I recommend everybody to keep looking, keep looking, and it will show up. And do my free course. You will get an enormous amount out of it. Yes. And again, that course is at your website, Sophie McLean, S-O-P-H-I-E-M-C-L-E-A-N.com. And we talked before we started the interview, you pronounced that McLean. Some of us Americans would say McLean, but it's McLean, but it's spelled that way. So look for that on her website. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll have links to all that in the show notes as well. So uh, even if you don't want to spell, you can just click the link. Um, well, thank you so, so much, Sophie. Mm. We might have to do this again. And uh, we had a few little technical things that mm. happened, but uh, we muscled mm. through. It's funny. I've had some of these things happen lately in mm -hmm. some of these podcasts. Some, there's some evil force in the universe trying to stop mm. these positive messages <laughs> from getting out. I don't know. But <laughs> we made it through, right? Uh, uh, I don't know. But until mm. next yeah, time. We did. And Phil, may, may, yeah. may I just th thank you for being the kind of person that will take the time and the energy to do this kind of podcast where you listen to people um, experience. I'm deeply grateful for you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. And you're welcome <laughs> for whatever it's worth. We're trying our best to <laughs> get positive messages to people, but mm -hmm. 
for our audience. Thank you for mm-hmm. spending time with us. And like I say, you're, we're always flattered that you spend time with us. And until next time, empower yourself, empower the world around you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Empower Humans. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review this podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit EmpowerHumans.com. We'll catch you next time.